about the anointing of God for us tonight. And so we're going to see what God does in our midst, and we're looking forward to what you got to say, Brother John. Thank you. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. I see some hands waving out there. Everybody got a handout tonight? All right. You know, let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is true, that your promises are true, and Lord, that your promises for us as individuals, and I look across this room tonight, God, are true for every single person in this room. Let us not forget that and receive that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't have a handout, just raise your hand real quick. If you don't, everybody got one? Great. You know, oftentimes we think about the word anointing, and we, we kind of use it the way we use other words, and I'm going to actually not beat up on Jeff, but Pastor Jeff, but I already had this in the message, was we use the word awesome. That's awesome. That's an awesome message. That's a, an awesome skyline, an awesome sunset. It's an awesome explosion. And we use the word all over the place. It's kind of like the word anointing. Sometimes we don't really understand what the word anointing is. Maybe where it came from, how it originated, how it even operates in our lives. And so one thing I want to talk with you guys about tonight is this, is that we talk about people that have a powerful anointing, or that was an anointed message. Let's remember this, that, yeah, it may be a powerful anointing, but the anointing is the power of the presence the power of the presence is the anointing. That again, the power of the presence is the anointing. And let me start out tonight by saying this and reaffirming the truth of Scripture. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, you are anointed. You are anointed of God right now in this place. And, and no matter what's going on inside your head, between your ears that says, well, gosh, I don't have that, that powerful message, or I don't have this, or I, I haven't really felt like. The truth is you are anointed. And the anointing is within you because the presence of the Holy Spirit is within you. Tonight we're going to look at anointing in several different ways. We're going to look at it as the word, the practices of anointing both with and without oil. And talk about real life applications, how we walk this anointing out. And we begin that by defining what anointing is. So in your handout, there's a, there's a definition. I want to read it to you. And we always go to Webster's for definitions. But you know, it's interesting. Webster's is pretty accurate in this. It says, to smear or rub with oil, typically as part of a religious ceremony. And the synonyms are to consecrate, to bless, ordain. This is inter interesting. Ceremonially conferred divine or holy office by smearing or rubbing with oil. So there's this anointing and the use of oil at the same time. Did you ever wonder where the use of oil really began? Think about it. We, we, we use oil. Here's oil. Here we use TWBC. But where did this use begin? And it's interesting. It began way, way back with shepherds. They're out in the field. And they had their sheep, and they're trying to protect their sheep. Well, bugs, lice, and mites would crawl up onto the sheep. They'd crawl up to their head, get in their ears, and burrow into their brain and kill them. Some smart shepherd one day said, hmm, if 
I pour oil on the sheep's head, I wonder what that'll do. Well, guess what? The mice, the, the lice and the mites would crawl up there, grab a hold of the oil and slide right off. So it began to be a protection, a covering over the sheep. As we read about anointing throughout Scripture, we'll see it used in both a physical and a spiritual sense, in a natural and a spiritual way. In other words, there are both ways that oil and anointing are used within the Bible. And tonight we'll talk about both. You know, maybe you've seen us anoint people with oil. If you've come up front before on, uh, on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and, and you've seen the oil and somebody's put oil in their hands and, and, and put their hands on you, or maybe you're part of the ministry team and you've used it, or, or maybe the use of oil is something you get at Jiffy Lube. I don't know. You just don't, you don't know about oil. But tonight we're going to learn about that. And the interesting thing is the Bible is anointed. Yeah. The writers of the Bible were anointed with the Holy Spirit. Whether they got oil on them or not, the Holy Spirit indwelt them and gave them the ability to write out God's Word. So let's look at some areas of how anointing or the use of oil was used throughout the Bible and throughout history. First of all, it's cultural and social. That's just the simple way to say back in the days of the Jewish people, they used oil to anoint the heads of people that were honored guests in their house. People would come from a long journey or walk across town, and they would come into someone's home, and they would put oil on their heads or their hands or their feet. And oftentimes that oil had incense or some perfumes in it, and that was a sign of honor. Now, i got to tell you also, I think it was hygiene. If you think about it, people are walking out. They don't have showers, folks. They don't have places to go really bathe a lot. And so you walk into my house after being down the dusty road, sure, I'm going to anoint your head with oil. <laughs> but it was used as a sign of honor. It was also used for consecration of objects. We remember back in, in Moses consecrated with oil the objects in the temple to the holy use of God. And also Jacob did. Jacob anointed a pillar at Bethel. This is from Genesis 35, 14, and 15. It says, And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, spoken with God. And he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of this place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. That was an anointed place because God had spoken to him there. Then we have the assignment of people. And this can be both ceremonial or spiritual um, a lot of Jewish culture back in the day had people that were anointed or they were assigned into positions sometimes these positions were used um, were, were like a governor for example or a mayor or the builder of the city these were all officials but they weren't necessarily a religious position and in those cases those people still got anointed with oil and got called into a service and it was called an anointing service. Now, for example, also if you had a, a governor or a mayor, that older guy maybe died, the son would take that position as the heir to the position, and when he took inauguration, if you will, he was anointed with oil and called into that position. So as we see here, there's, there's not just spiritual uses for oil, but there were social and cultural uses as well. 
And then the holy purposes. And we, we all know these. We've, we've heard about the prophets, the priests, and the kings that were anointed with oil. And one of the first examples of that is Aaron and his sons. We always hear the story about the anointing of Aaron and the oil poured on his head and running down over his beard and onto his robes. And, and that particular definition is with the word alepho, alepho, and it means to be set apart. Think about this. We're anointed. We are set apart. And, and as we go through tonight, I want to just kind of take a step back. As we go through tonight, I want you to think about the correlations of what you hear and what we're told we are. We're told we are set apart. Jesus was set apart. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, and we are set apart. And at the end of the service today, we're going to have an opportunity to really jump into this a little bit deeper. But right now, I want you to begin to kind of let that rattle around in your head a little bit, and rattle around in your heart of the truth of who you are, not because you feel it necessarily, but because the truth of Scripture says that you are. So the, the priests, the priests were set apart, and in this definition, it was to signify a very specific, powerful call on somebody's life. Let's read from Exodus 29, where it says, You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring in his sons and put coats on them and you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them. And the priesthood, and the priesthood shall be theirs by statute forever. We're called the royal priesthood. By statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Now it's interesting to note here that in in this time, it was all priests who were ordained, anointed with oil. Later on, it was only the high priest that was. Jesus, our high priest. And this anointing came upon them to separate them even further. The high priest, further than the regular priests, they were called sanctified not common we're sanctified we're not common the next part is the activation of the Holy Spirit by anointing with oil and oil was used as a help well oil was used to bring about a move of the spirit James 5:14 says is anyone among you sick let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over them anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now again, it's really important here. Notes, there's nothing magical or mystical about the oil. Okay, the oil simply invites the Holy Spirit. It's the activation. It's symbolic. Okay, nothing magical in this jar at all. 
but if we do this, it activates. We activate the Holy Spirit. So from all this, we can understand a few things in reviewing the Bible with regards to anointing and oil. Prophets were anointed to proclaim the God's word. Priests were anointed to carry out the duties of worship and sacrifice. Kings were anointed so they could rule. People were anointed as a place of honor or for healing. And objects were anointed so they could be set aside for holy use. Here's a beautiful part with regards to anointing. It's Jesus. All the anointing wrapped up into one. In Daniel 9 of the Old Testament, a deliverer is promised under the title of Messiah or anointed one. And the nature of his anointing, anointing is described as spiritual with the Holy Spirit. It's prophesied in uh, Isaiah 61, and Jesus repeated it himself in Luke 4. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So key points here. The anointing is given to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointing is given to heal and restore people. The anointing is given to proclaim freedom to the captives. The anointing is given to give sight to the blind, to set people free. The anointing flows in God's timing and proclaims God's timing. Preach the gospel, heal and restore, proclaim freedom, open blind eyes, set people free. That's the role of the church. That's us. We have that anointing, and we are given that to operate in. Christ was anointed as what? Prophet, priest, and king. He was baptized and received the Holy Spirit just like we do. John 1, 32 and 34 says, and John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. You know, after Christ left the earth, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, says in John 14, 16. And because of that, now all Christians, we are all anointed, chosen for a specific purpose in furthering God's kingdom, as in 1 John 2, 20. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That's 2 Corinthians 1, 21 22. I want to read that to you again, and I want you to hear this and take it personally. Now he, God, has established you in Christ and has anointed you in him, in God, and has sealed you and given you the Spirit in your heart as a guarantee. Just say to yourself, I've been given a guarantee. I've been given a guarantee, and it's the Holy Spirit. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you've been given a guarantee. The Holy Spirit. What all this says is that the same anointing that was on Jesus has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. John 14, 12 tells us the truth, and, and you got to hold on your hats to this. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. I don't know how many times I just read that scripture, and I go, that's awesome. Kind of like that awesome. I don't grab a hold of that. Do we really, really grasp? This is Jesus telling us this. He's saying, see all the neat things I did, all the amazing things I did, all the miracles I did? Greater things will you do because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. And I want you guys to grab a hold of that because that's really the essence of this. So how we wrap this thing together is this. Starting with the anointing of oil, the physical act of anointing with oil, and the practical uses, how we do things here is we make sure that when we use oil, we do it scripturally. It's not something that's, that's different or weird. We ensure that we do things according to the word of God. That anointing with oil is not some magic potion. It's an activation of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And the Holy Spirit is the one that works. It's not us or the oil. Amen? You know, next is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about. And, and we could talk hours and hours about spiritual gifts and, and anointings and those kind of things and, and days even. The bottom line is you're anointed. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you feel like you've experienced it or not, you are anointed. And, and I've said that several times tonight because starting last, I guess Jeff asked me to do this last week sometime, I felt just this burden in my heart that people need to grasp a hold of this before we go further. For our church to go further, for you to go further in life, to grab a hold of the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells you and you are anointed to do the things that Jesus said you are able to do. So why? Why do we have this? Because he loves you. Because he loves us. It's based on his love. It's not based on anything we've done. It's based on the fact that nothing can separate us from his love. As a believer, Romans 8, 39, stand on the scripture. It says, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to do what? Separate us from the love of God. Nothing can. We've got to settle that truth in our hearts, folks. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, as a believer in Christ, nothing can separate us from his love. And because of that, we've received the Holy Spirit, and because of that, we are anointed to do the works he's called us to do. 
And because he loved you, he sent his son. Because he loves all men. Because he wishes that none should perish. perish. He sent his son to die, to rise again so that we might live. We always talk about Christ being the high priest. Well, what's that make us? The royal priesthood. We are his church. We are his people. We are his children. If he is the high priest, which he is, it makes us a royal priesthood. It's interesting. You have a more unique and powerful anointing than the priests back in the Jewish days because your anointing comes through Christ and the Holy Spirit that he sent you. You know, sometimes back in Jewish days, and especially the Old Testament, the anointing would come upon someone, right? And then guess what? It left. Didn't stay. It stays with us. It stays with us. We don't lose that. So your anointing is present. It's never ending, never leaving. You know, the Apostle Paul made a reference to anointing in 2 Corinthians. He said, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, God, who also has sealed us and established the guarantee with the Spirit in our hearts. He says, we are established and we are sealed. Throughout Scripture, I hope you guys are seeing that there is this constant reminder to us that we're anointed, we're set apart, we're special, and it's sealed. It means it's done. Real key point to understand this as we close is that the anointing doesn't point to us, it points to God. Everything about the anointing, every time we are active in the anointing, it's pointing to God. It's to glorify God. It's for kingdom purposes. It's God who empowers the believer. You are the conduit for that power. You are the place that the Holy Spirit resides and flows through. It's activated by the Holy Spirit. And tonight, one of the things that I, I really felt led to do, and, and I feel really strongly to do this, and I don't know if Mitch is here or whatever, the worship team. Um, they'll come up in a minute. Um, I really felt led tonight to do a couple things. One is this, because this is so important. You've heard about this anointing and this infilling and this power and all this stuff. And maybe you haven't even accepted Christ as your Savior. Tonight, you want to be part of this? You want to receive this? Don't leave without coming up here to the front and praying with one another. This is an opportunity to have that anointing, that gift, and to find that purpose and power in your life that flows from the Holy Spirit. Number two, we've got a freedom ministry here. Right now, you can have freedom tonight. Just to break the lies that have told you, well, that anointing is for that person, or I just don't feel it, or... The, the stuff in your head that's keeping you from walking this out. This is what's powerful. So that's number two. If you've been believing lies, you've been doubting, we want you to come up. 
third. If you believe it, but you just haven't felt like it's been activated, let us come up and pray for you. Lay hands on you. We want to help you activate the Holy Spirit within you. Not that we, it needs any help, that he needs any help, but we want to pray with you so that you have that activation. Okay? So in a minute, Mitch is going to come up. Um, I ask a few of the worship team folks, or the ministry team folks to come up to the front, if they'll come up here. And I'm going to pray over you. And I really want to encourage you. In those three areas, you can come to the altar by yourself. You can talk to one of us. But please, don't leave tonight if you feel like one of those three areas is specific to you. Knowing Jesus, breaking the lies, and getting active. I'm going to pray a short prayer when I'm done. Kind of do like Pastor Joel does. And I'll count to three and let you guys come up here. Father God, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. We thank you that you have promised us the anointing through the Holy Spirit. So right now, Father God, we just speak into the lives of everyone in this place tonight. As they have need to move, to receive salvation, to receive freedom, to receive activation. Ready to come in three, two, one.